0: This morning I'm continuing the series, Narratives of Advent, and today we'll be looking at the story of Joseph. What I find very interesting is that when you look at the entire gospel narratives in both Matthew and Luke, not one word that Joseph spoke is recorded for us. Not one throwaway phrase, nothing. There's not one recorded word And yet we see clearly throughout what Joseph did. His actions spoke for themselves. So this morning I hope to give Joseph a voice that we can consider Advent from his perspective. Would you bow with me this morning? Father in heaven, we thank you for Joseph. So often, Lord, we tend to focus on other parts of the Advent story. Rightfully, we give much attention to Mary and her, her humble willingness to be used as the mother of your only begotten. And yet this morning, we want to focus on Joseph, that here was a humble carpenter, a, a man who had his life spread out before him, and yet it was so radically changed. And we pray, Lord, that as we look at his example of faith through action, And as we hear his voice, I pray that you would stir our hearts this morning to consider again what it means that you came into this world for us. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had a dream? Anyone? Have you ever had a dream? Well, of course you have, at least one of you. We all have dreams, don't we? One time or another. But what I mean is, have you ever had a dream, one so vivid, so real, that when you woke up, you actually looked around the room for the person you had just been speaking with? Have you ever had a dream like that? Well, I have. Three of them, in fact. And each of those three dreams radically changed the course of my life. But none more so than the first. But perhaps I'm getting ahead of myself. I haven't even properly introduced myself. Now, just to be clear, I'm nobody important. I'm not royalty, I'm not wealthy, and I'm certainly not powerful. I'm not a leader of any type or stripe. I wouldn't want to lead anything in my entire life. Truth is, I'm just a simple carpenter. But who I am, or rather, who my ancestors are, is very important to the story that I'm about to tell you. Now, before I begin, I have to say that I can hardly believe this story myself, so I won't begrudge any of you having any doubts about it. But let me just say I'm an honorable man. I have no reason to lie. And with God as my witness, the story I tell you today is just as it happened. Now I understand that in your culture you have this thing called the Mennonite game. Yes? The Mennonite game, you know what I speak of? Th- this is the game where when you meet someone new you-, you begin to ask questions to find out if you might be related in some way, right? And-, and to find out if maybe your fourth, fifth, sixth cousins by marriage, twice removed, that sort of a thing, right? You, you know the game I'm talking about. <coughs> now don't take this the wrong way. But I've listened in to a couple of these games of yours, and in comparison to we Jews, your Mennonite game is child's play. Because, well, to you, connecting the family tree is a game. For Jews, it is a science. In fact, in my time, every Jewish child was required to memorize their entire family genealogy. That means... We knew all the begats. So, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat Judah, and so on and so forth. In fact, we Jews have a religious class of scribes who dedicate half their lives to keeping careful records of each and every family line for the entire nation of Israel. Huh. Career path. If you haven't had one yet, that's it for you right there. And if you think listening to your family's resident expert play the Mennonite game is boring, (laughs) well, these guys can go on and on and on about genealogies for days on end. I even remember one family gathering. Grandpa Nathan, he had us recite our entire family line all the way back to Adam and Eve. I don't even think the six days of creation took that long. At least that's how it seemed to me as a boy. Now, I know for you, I see your eyes beginning to glaze over, knowing the bagats must seem as confusing and boring as it is for me watching another one of your Canadian games. What do you call it, curling? <laughs> I mean, what is this ice? And, and why is everyone trying to sweep it? And, and why are they all yelling at those stones as they slide down the ice? It's just crazy. Right, anyways, I'm getting off the trail. No, you see, the real reason, the real reason we Jews track the genealogies so carefully is because long, long ago, God promised my people that he would send us a Messiah through the family line of King David. Now, like I said, I am nobody important, but I am a direct descendant of King David. And now I can... Again, see your eyes starting to glaze over. Why does this matter? I won't prove to you that I'm a descendant of King David by reciting the whole family line back to him. So just trust me on this one. It goes King David to Solomon all the way through to my Grandpa Nathan, my father Jacob to me, Joseph. So now you know who I am. Now, if we're being honest, and I always am, All of that genealogy stuff gives me a headache. I've always been better with a hammer and saw than I was with pen and parchment. Which is fine with me because carpentry is the family business. My father Jacob taught me everything I know about woodworking. And I always plan to teach my son everything I know as well. Which brings me back to my dreams. You may recall another famous father and son named Jacob and Joseph. That Jacob, of course, became known as Israel, and Joseph became known as the dreamer. As a boy, I always thought it strange that my father Jacob would name me Joseph. I was no one special, our family was no one important, and there were certainly no great dreams attached to me. But now I see that perhaps my father sensed something. Maybe even without knowing it, my name was prophetic. But whatever the case, like my namesake Joseph, who had vivid dreams altered the course of his life, I did as well. And just like the first Joseph, whose dreams began with a nightmare, betrayed by his own brothers, my dream also began with a nightmare, betrayed by my beloved Well, since we were children, I can't recall a time where I didn't think that Mary was the prettiest and sweetest girl I'd ever seen. I suspect my parents knew how I felt. So when the day came that I'd I'd come of age and I was a man, and my father sat me down and told me that all the arrangements had been made, and that Mary was now my betrothed, well, my heart just about burst for joy. I was so excited. Afterwards, I I ran right out of Nazareth, up on the hillside, and I danced a jig with some sheep on the mountainside. I'm sure those shepherd boys thought I'd gone mad, but I didn't care. Sweet and beautiful Mary, she was going to be my wife. In fact, you should understand that according to Jewish law, even though the wedding ceremony would still happen in the future, as my lawfully betrothed, Mary was already considered my wife but oh, I was still so nervous those first few visits our families got together. Gradually, my nervousness left, but never my excitement at seeing her. Every time I would give her another gift, usually a carving or some type of woodworking, our families' lives began to intertwine more and more as plans were made for the ceremony and our new home together. Oh, those were happy, exciting days If you've ever planned for a wedding, you know what I felt like in those days. We were excited, filled with all sorts of plans and dreams for the future. Interestingly enough, Mary's family line could also be traced back to King David, but don't worry, I will spare you the details. But while we knew in theory that we were in the line of God's promise, neither of us could have ever imagined that we might become the parents of the Messiah. And so began my nightmare. I can still see the look in her father's eyes. He welcomed me into the house, and at first I thought someone must have died. He told me to sit down. I could tell that Mary's mother had been crying. Mary herself was sitting in the corner of the dimly lit room, a veil covering her face, as one does in mourning. Her father struggled to speak and finally uttered the words, Mary is with child. Those four words came crashing down around me. Oh, there were more words to follow. He said he knew I was an honorable man. He said that he knew the law demanded justice for a woman caught in adultery and he knew that I would do what was right but I heard none of those words. Mary is with child pounded in my head like a war drum. My heart was crushed. My parents, oh, they were stunned and angry. Put her away quickly, publicly, they said. Remove this stain from our family's honor. They advised, I needed to think. Staggered, I went up the mountainside and sat amongst the same sheep where I had once danced for joy. In this fog of confusion, I struggled to make sense of it all. I had not been with Mary, and the child was not mine, of that one thing I was certain. But how then? How could my Mary have done such a thing. She was always so pure. Always the first one in the synagogue for prayer and worship. Always the first to say a kind word. Always the first one to turn away from anything with even the hint of indecency to it. How? How could she have been unfaithful? How could she have betrayed me and God by committing adultery? The waves of anger and fear and sorrow washed over me until I thought I would drown. I considered the distinct possibility that perhaps she had been forced against her will, perhaps by a Roman soldier. But without eyewitnesses, who would believe her? And whatever the case, I knew full well that the most harsh penalty prescribed for adultery in the law of Moses was to be put to death by stoning. Of course, I never once considered the thought. No, 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 somehow I still had to protect Mary. Even if she could never be my wife, I still loved her. Oh, how I agonized over what to do. I had to remove the stain from my family's honor. So finally I made up my mind. I would divorce Mary in secret. And she would then move to live with relatives far away where no one knew about her. Perhaps there she could live in peace without the stigma of being an adulteress. Heavy of heart on my way back home that night as I passed by the synagogue, I saw the sharp, knowing look of the rabbi. Of course he knew. And soon the entire town would know. And though I would maintain my family's honor... I knew that many would secretly wonder if it had in fact been me. I went to bed that night. Without supper, my appetite had left me, as did sleep. I tossed and turned for hours, those words playing over and over again in my head. Mary is with child. Finally, my troubled mind let go and fell into a fitful sleep. And although, whether I truly slept or was awake, I never can quite tell. But whatever the case, suddenly, he was there. An angel, so bright, so brilliant, more bright than, than the sun is high overhead at midday. And so dazzling was this light, I couldn't even lift my hands to cover my eyes. And then his voice rang out. The voice was like that of many waters and rolling thunder overhead. There was nowhere to run or hide. I could not even think to cover my eyes or stop my ears. All I could do was listen. For more stunning than his presence was his message. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. My mind reeled. Son of David? But I'm the son of Jacob. Jacob is my father. Take Mary home as my wife, but what of my family's honor? What is conceived of the Holy Spirit, how how is that even possible? The thunderous voice continued. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Transfixed, I tried to make sense of these words. A son? Name him Jesus? The Savior? And suddenly, suddenly it all made sense. Like like fitting together the pieces of a perfectly crafted chair. It all came together in my mind. I was a son of David, and therefore qualified to father the Messiah. The child was conceived of the Holy Spirit. So, no, not I, but not another man either. Ha! My heart nearly burst at the realization. Mary had not betrayed me. My sweet Mary had been faithful to me and to God all along. More faithful than I could even understand. So faithful, in fact, that the Almighty had chosen her and me. A humble carpenter and a servant girl to be the parents of the long-awaited Messiah. Emmanuel, God with us. And then it struck me. For the very first time, I was going to be a father. And as the angel had told me, I was to give him the name as was the age-old custom. I would have the privilege of giving him the name that all men would know him by. The one given to me by the angel, Jesus Did you know that in my language, in the Hebrew tongue, the name Jesus comes from the word Yeshua, which comes from Joshua, meaning the Lord is salvation. The Lord is salvation. Jesus, he is the Lord's salvation. And well, like I said in the beginning, When I woke up from this dream, I looked around the room for that angel who had just been talking to me. But wherever the angel had gone, he had disappeared, but I was up. And I flew to Mary's house, and I burst in the door. And when I saw Mary, and she saw me, she took one look in my eyes, and she knew that I knew. She burst into tears. And I threw my arms around her. That incredible, unbelievable secret that she had held inside, knowing that no one could believe what she had seen or heard from that angel Gabriel. Well, now her secret, it was our secret. And now it didn't matter to me what people said or if it brought shame on my family's name. Let them gossip. Let them think what they will. All that mattered was that now I knew the truth. My sweet Mary, she was mine once more and I would never doubt her again. (laughs) I would never so much as let her out of my sights again if I could help it. Because this child, our child, was going to save us all. And in that moment, I made a vow to Mary and to God that though I would take Mary to be my wife, I would not lie with her until after the child had been born. For though it would be the honor of honors to be Jesus' surrogate father here on earth, I wanted no one to mistake me for his true father. For his father is none other than God himself. Now, believe me, like I said before, I know how all of this sounds. And like I said, there's some days I still have a hard time believing it myself. Even as the pregnancy progressed, I still had moments of doubt where I wondered if maybe that dream had just been a crazy dream and nothing more. But no, I'm telling you, it happened. It's all true. That and more. Much more. I'm sure you folks all know about what happened next. About our long journey down to Bethlehem with Mary, nine months pregnant. About how all the inns were were full and us having to bed down with the animals in that stable. And about how it was there that Mary went into labor and how me, a simple carpenter, no one important no one rich or powerful, how I was the first one to welcome the Messiah into the world. And it was with these hands, these callous, rough, work-worn hands of a carpenter, these had the honor of holding my baby and my Savior for the very first time. And as I looked at him, and, and he looked back at me, I knew that nothing would ever again be the same. Everything had changed. And little did I know how fast they were going to start changing. Because we wrapped that baby up, and we swaddled him up and put him down in that manger. And within minutes, I had a bunch of wide-eyed shepherds crowding into the stable, talking about glowing angels and celestial choirs and and signs. And, And not that long ago, I would have thought they'd gone mad. But now, now I know better. Oh, Gabriel had been to see them too. And now Mary's secret that had become our secret was now the shepherd's secret. And then it struck me. Jesus wasn't a secret anymore. And as I watched those shepherds bow down in worship of our baby, I realized that this wasn't just our baby. No, this baby belonged to the entire nation. For it was just as the angel has, had said He will save his people from their sin. (laughs) Now I may just be a simple carpenter. But as a faithful descendant of David, the heavenly father chose me to stand in as the earthly father for his only begotten son. How can I even begin to describe to you what that does to me. And if God could do that for me, what do you think he could do for you? You may not be anyone important. You may not be rich or powerful or a leader of any type or stripe. I wasn't. But let me just say that through Jesus, the Savior for sinners the salvation that we thought was only for us Jews and and our people, well, it turns out it was bigger than even I had imagined. Because it turns out that he's a savior for you and your people. It doesn't matter Jew or Gentile. You can become a spiritual descendant of Abraham in the royal lineage of David and born again as a full member and child in the family of God. Grafted into the family tree through Yeshua Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Now if you think that sounds like a mouthful, and it is, believe me. I've never said so many words together in my life. If you think that's a mouthful, now if you are in that family tree and in the family line grafted in through Jesus Christ, Well, next Sabbath, I expect you to have your family tree memorized from you to Abraham forwards and backwards. Next Sunday, we're going to have a review. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just pulling your leg. From you to David will do. And as for me, once this is done, I think I'll maybe go check out one of your curling games again. See if I can make sense of that. Let's pray together. O Father in heaven, we magnify your name, we worship you, we lift you high, we adore you. Your ways are higher than our ways, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher than our ways. We are humbled and awestruck by your majesty, by your power, by your wisdom, that not only Did you send your son into the world but the people you chose to use it was no accident not one of these details was beyond your careful appraisal and from before eternity even began you looked ahead and you chose Mary and you chose Joseph to safeguard your son in this world and oh what a job they did that humbly walking in faith you guided them every step of the way, and they faithfully followed. And that from that moment forward, fleeing to Egypt, coming back once more, and all of the steps in between that we know nothing about, we thank you, Lord, for those faithful servants who brought you, Jesus, up as a child so that you could fulfill your life's purpose, which was to go to the cross as the perfect Lamb of God, the Savior the Messiah, the Lamb of God, and to die in our place to save us all. And how incredible is it that by that act, you saved your earthly parents as well, Mary and Joseph, their child and their Messiah. What an incredible position that they held, and we honor them for it, but most of all, we honor you. And we thank you that now through faith you honor us. That by faith we are grafted into the family tree through your Messiah, Jesus Christ. And that now we are so honored to know that we are your children, fully inheriting your kingdom, which is soon to come. And so we agree with Jesus' prayer and say, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Amen.